kpft.org or on TuneIn Radio. KPFT Houston. KPFT Houston. This is Nuestra Palabra, Latino writers having their say, on the air. Tuning you into the Latino literary renaissance in all its splendor. Interviews, teatro, rap, fiction, poetry, memorias, 
composer spotlights, and more. Always mas. Thank you for tuning in to Nuestra Palabra, Latino writers having their say. We are on Skeleton Crew today, but we're here for you because we always come through and you can count on us. And the culture and the news and the information never stops. This is Tony Diaz. Very happy to greet you, Libre Traficante. What's up, everybody? This is your boy Q. And before I tell you about our other guests, <laughs> not only is he co-host, but today he is the news. So in the first segment, <laughs> we're going to delve into the mind, art, and vision of Terrell Quillen, better known as Q. Yes, indeed. Bootleg like jazz and all the other endeavors he's got going on because we're really happy to have you part of the familia. But you are also pushing the different elements of what we do to the next level which absolutely. is exciting absolutely which is exciting so i think you have us on uh facebook, facebook live, live anyway. <laughs> Quillen, and uh instagram bullet like jazz go watch us check us out there fantastic and then also even though you'll be the top of the show the second segment is going to be on latinas rising that you were helpful in documenting absolutely and we'll have a few of the the bosses over Latinas Rising, including my comadre, Claudia yes. Macias. ¿Cómo estás? I am doing super well, compadre. That's fantastic. <laughs> Give folks a little sneak preview about what we talk about when we talk about Latina, sure, Latina sure. Rising. So Latinas Rising is an, is an organization that was created out of, you know, the love of stories, of making sure that women um, have a voice, uh, a, a platform, that they feel vulnerable enough. To, to share their struggles and their journeys on their way to success. Love it. So that's what Latinas Rising is about. And you had the first, our first now ever, to be annual. Yes, it's going to be our first annual Latina Con. And a lot has yes, come from it. Yes, a lot has come so from it. So we're very it. happy that we can share in the the follow-up and get people excited about yes, that. Yes, yes, yes. And, of course, we're going to start off with an installment of Cultural Capital from the Cultural Capital series, which if you're on the Nuestra Palabra email list, you get every Tuesday at 2 and we're going to have the last installment of this on December 31st. So there's just five more. They've been going through the year, just five more, and then the next phase kicks in. But today's edition of Cultural Capital has to do with HISD needs African-American studies now. Of course, the Libre Traficantes want the Texas State Board of Education to endorse African-American studies unanimously the way mixed American studies was endorsed last year but that is not enough that's not enough because now the Texas Education Agency which presides over the Texas State Board of Education has taken over the Houston Independent School District so they must also introduce African American studies as well as all the other components of cutting edge and bridging curriculum to Wheatley High School, which due to neglect from the state has failed to meet testing requirements for seven years straight. Additionally, we should not let the Texas State Board of Education off the hook. Had they immediately endorsed and supported Mex-American Studies in 2012, when the Libre Traficantes first went to the Texas State Board of Education to demand it, the Texas education system would be diff vastly different. If ethnic studies had been extolled and supported and implemented in Texas public schools seven years ago, HISD and all the other public schools that are suffering would not be in this situation where our youth are failing standardized tests. I know this because we paraded the evidence across the stage of the Texas State Board of Education for six years. We shared the evidence that our brothers and sisters developed in Arizona to prove beyond a reasonable doubt that ethnic studies increased student performance, attendance, engagement, and increased the graduation rate by double digits. All that evidence was created to overcome the 2012 banning of ethnic studies in Arizona. Now, Texas didn't ban it, but the Republican-led Texas State Board of Education did not make it easy on us. If you ask me, 
I can send you some of the essays, radio posts, and TV interviews we did to make our case. You who support our radio show have been there every step of the way. We gave you live broadcasts from the protest, from the testimony. You went. I was there. Uh, People in the cabina went. Busloads of people. We're not asking you. We're telling you that was the case. Mm -hmm. However, every step of the way, we always make sure to demand that Mexican-American studies get approved. And we also included a path for African-American Native American and Asian American studies. Also, we were joined by African American, Native American, Asian, and Anglo allies along the way. We're proud to see that African American studies is poised to get passed. So first, let's get this part very clear. The Texas State Board of Education must pass African American studies unanimously, or we will be getting on those buses again to drive to Austin Mm -hmm. to stand with our African-American brothers and sisters in protest. That's fundamental. I know that Texas State Board of Education is going to do the right thing. I appreciate that because that will make Texas the first state of the union to endorse both Mexican-American studies and African-American studies. But that's not enough. Now that we're at this plateau of history where ethnic studies is not controversial in Texas, (laughs) The Texas State Board of Education must put African-American studies on the fast track to be implemented in Wheatley High School first. The Texas Education Agency has taken over HISD so they can do whatever they want. They got rid of the school board. They run the show. They have to do this. And then they must develop the infrastructure material, and teachers to spread it to all HISD schools. It must also do the same with Mexican-American studies. Since the Republican-run Texas Education Agency and State Board of Education run the entire HISD system, they're the only ones holding us back. That's this week's uh, installment of Cultural Capital. I want to touch bases with our our comadre, um, Mm -hmm. one of the um, originators of Latinas Rising and, and the Latino kind of, of course I want to talk to Q because he is also an educator but yes. uh, yeah, yeah yeah who goes first Claudia you're ladies first always for Latinas Rising TEA well, there's so many things well especially about um, implementing ethnic studies mm-hmm. I mean uh, they run they run the school system now that is a big concern a, a, a big concern because we want to know who's going to be taking who's going to be watching them who what, what's going to be who's going to be the oversight for that and how do we make sure that what needs to happen is going to happen? Is it going to be the same thing, just different people? Are we really going to come in and make the changes? And, and are we going – because the people voice I mean, through their vote who we want to support our students, right? Now that's like null. And, and, you, I thought, and they've taken over for a couple of weeks. Yeah, so you so, think they would have had a plan by now. Yeah, you, you can't come in saying we're going we're gonna to do something, we're going to do something. You have to come in with something. And these listening exercises are... I've are, been hearing about them. It's just a lot of dog and pony show. It, and someone just... So either they don't know what they're doing mm-hmm. or or they're not telling us. Q, should we have African-American studies right away in HISD? So listen, um, it takes me back to a lesson I had planned for uh, my ninth grade English students. This is a few years ago when I taught for one of the charter schools here. And this is on the southwest side. And we were talking about... Um, um, figurative language and I used some hip hop lyrics um, my, I had students who uh, you know didn't always score too well couldn't understand figurative language but after doing that lesson where I tied in figurative language to hip hop um, and used that as like the beginning of the lesson and we went through it and they knew who that was kids who were normally scoring like you know 70s 75s or below on like figurative language, you know, essays or or vocab quizzes or whatever, were blowing it out oh. of the mm-hmm. blowing it out of the park, right? You know, better and bigger than uh, Jose Altuve could. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, this whole conversation about representation is under talked about and underserved, right? We really do need to put more emphasis, um, more resources, um, uh, and give more space to um, you know these these conversations about. Um, seeing ourselves in the books that we're reading mm-hmm. and what this looks like for our students and how this impacts them in a positive way. Mm-hmm. Um, African-American studies is long overdue uh, of being mandatory in schools. They need to get it done, they need to, and it should have been done yesterday. 
Mm-hmm. Boom. Yeah, definitely. And, and, and on representation, back to who is going to represent us when when people are going to be appointed to watch over HISD. Is it going to reflect us? Is it going to reflect our needs? Are they going to put people in there just, just to put people in there and follow someone else's plan from the top? Is it really going to be, you know, are we really going to be represented? That's that's my concern. So we got outsiders coming in right. to mm-hmm. run community schools. Mm-hmm. Let's hold them accountable. Mm-hmm. Let's let's demand a lot. And I think this is one of the fundamental issues. They should have implemented ethnic studies seven get, years yeah. ago, weekly. <laughs> exactly. I don't think it would have been at this point that mm-hmm. it is right now had we implemented ethnic studies. Listen, man, yeah. if you were talking to those kids at Wheatley about the connection of hip-hop, hip-hop oh, lyrics. That's, a, that's an awesome class. To, you start with to a figurative language. Yes. And then maybe they write their own hip hop song, their own lyrics, poetry, whatever. You got they you have a whole different value system for those kids. Those kids are now intrinsically engaged in what's mm-hmm. going on, as opposed to oh, I just got to do this for a test. Oh no, now in class we talk about my favorite hip hop song in class. And tomorrow yeah. I get to read them and in t- the class. Exactly. Tomorrow I get to uh, whatever or whatever it be. I get yeah. and this down. teacher, this teacher's cool now because hey. this I teacher respects yeah. my culture. This teacher is cool enough, mm-hmm. smart enough, and creative enough to bring my culture mm-hmm. and its art, artistic form into the classroom and make it awesome. Exactly. And right. Brag- exactly. Those, things, those yeah. things you cannot commoditize. Those no. things are like, those are in, intrinsic which, which sort of been, values and whatnot. Our, our students have been deprived of. Right. Then those and you're only going to find it with people that look like them. I'm sorry. No. It, Let's just be very frank. It's yeah. the case. And, you know yeah. what I'm saying? <laughs> and, and, and then my, that, that kid is going to go home and brag about school. Exactly. They're going to love it. They're going to they're gonna share the message. School is cool. They listen to me. I'm connected with my teacher. The teacher connects with me and my culture, my background. And back to the the importance of ethnic studies. Myself personally, I you know I didn't know about a lot of you know Latino writers with Spanish surnames until I got to the Mexican American Studies program at U of H. I, kids shouldn't be having to wait until they are 18, 19, 20 to hear about these writers. To hear about people that that look like them, that were writers, that were already creating and and putting things into the into the airwaves. And the if community. you're gonna, yeah. And if you're gonna serve the public, serve the public the right way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it shouldn't. We shouldn't wait. And then not everybody, not everybody gets to go to college. And so you're gonna miss a lot of kids that didn't have that ability to study with what they know, with who they know, to connect them. So we need to do it now. So, right. so Texas State Board of Education, mm-hmm. they, they better pass it unanimously, mm-hmm. but that really is not enough. Mm. We, we got And this is an interesting point where they're in charge of everything. That's, that's so let's so, hold like them you to said, the fire. We, we have to show up. We have to make sure that we're constantly there and asking questions. And, and, and when we see something like that, that whole campaign, see something, say something, but come with something. You know, at the same time, like we want this. This is what we know works with with our students, with our community, and this is what we want to see happen. Love it. You're listening to Nuestra Palabra. Latino writers having their say. Wish we could talk more about it, but we're going to take a musical break, and we're going to come back with a very important subject. Q. Who <laughs> <laughs> they like jazz? Let's yeah. do it. You're listening to Nuestra Palabra. Latino writers having their say on the air. We'll be right back. <laughs> ¡Suscríbete 
We are back. You're experiencing Nuestra Palabra, Latino writers having their say on the air. And our next segment is an in-depth look at someone that you take for granted because he gives us a seamless show week in and week out. You hear his uh, his smooth pipes on the air. <laughs> but it is vital for us to, to get to know him better and, and to share some of his vision with you as well. He is winner of the 2019 Houston Arts Alliance grant, Let Creativity Happen. He's a podcaster, an intellectual, and a jack-of-all-trades. Terrell Wayne, a.k.a. Q, is a fresh new voice exploring Pan-Africanism, Afro-Latin culture, and celebrating underdogs here in the HTX. Hey, hermano, thank you so no much problem. for sharing what you do with our listeners and our no community. Problem. It's a pleasure to be here. Honestly, it has been a pleasure. And, and you know what, too? I mean, I do. Let's make sure we talk about all your projects. Yeah, and first of all, I mean, it feels like just yesterday was my first time here. I'm about to say. You know, it really does feel like just yesterday was my first time, like, running the board and, like, <laughs> having full reign to, like, control everything. But but I also think that you you really, we all hit it off because you kind of bring, I want to call it a Houston thing. Hmm. You know, where we cross paths. Uh, you're super smart. You're super uh, interested in reaching the hand. You're, you're straight up about community. But at the same time, you also you're a border you're a border crosser. <laughs> yes, this is true. <laughs> you know? Yes, this is true. And, and I think folks have heard you bust loose in French now and then. Yeah, mm. Let, let's start with that, and then we're gonna go backwards to let's do it to where in the age you you uh, grew up. Yeah, so I uh, I got inspired to live in France from African American literature. Straight pa up. Pause wow, there. there. Pause right there. there. That's where it started. James Baldwin was always like you know the books i would read and i and, and he would always challenge my views on christianity faith family uh being black in america masculinity all of that and so over time you know I, i'd read more and more books and by the time i got to college i'd had these experiences with people who had lived abroad who were in school i wasn't in college i didn't go to college right after high school trying to find my way and um you know connecting with people it just kind of that plus literature i was like all right france is what i'm gonna go do i'm gonna go to france i'm gonna go live there i'm gonna go learn the language i talked more in depth about this in my podcast episode black à l'étranger which is french for black and abroad and for me at that time of my life that was just it was something i needed to do something that was important to me was to to you know change my scenery and, and see you know what else it meant to be black um see other examples of african-americanism or black um, culture or black folks in the world and i just set out on, on that journey and that journey led me to other doors being open and other um you know important topics that i became aware of um you know it, re it, it really changed my life you know that's kind of the the basis of it so you know not just james baldwin but we're talking claude mckay we're talking richard wright we're talking Josephine Baker Dang. and her experiences. We're talking mm -hmm. to jazz musicians because we forget mm -hmm. that. Listen, that's the title of the podcast is Bullet Like Jazz. Jazz wasn't always sophisticated. Jazz wasn't always And also liked. always appreciated either. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Right. But uh, because of, you know, a few other things that happened, you know, jazz influenced the whole world. Yes. Um, and so just, you know, reading about their experiences, um, you know, being in France at the time in, in America as a black man or as a as a Mexican, because that's what we call everybody, right? Uh, you couldn't go drink out of the same water fountain as a white person. But in France, you know, they had businesses, they had jobs, they were owning homes, they were getting married, they were living full lives. And for me, you know, it, you know, with what I had going on, I just, I just, I just, you know, I just took a hold of that and was like, all right, let's go wow. see what this is all about. There you go. <laughs> and we had just Love mentioned. It. Love it having african-american literature in the schools mm -hmm. so how right. were you exposed to these writers through high school and college so for me i cannot cannot tell you exactly how or who exposed me to james baldwin I, and i've been trying to think of it for the life of me i can't tell you but as far as like after high school diving into the literature i mean like i said that was me pure and simple wow i was, I was meeting wow. people who were living abroad um and had interesting experiences job opportunities opening for them um, people were going to college and, you know, I was, you know, playing music and trying to figure out my path. And for some reason, you know, I, I just dived right into it. So I already had James Baldwin. You know, there was Langston Hughes as well. Damn. I remember reading his uh, because he had some, I mean, his, tra 
his writings about his travels were amazing as well. Mm. Um, you know, he definitely spent a huge extent in France and had a lot of great things to talk about it. And so for me as a black man, you know, I'm like, you know, I get picked on here in the United States because, uh, you know, the way I talk and it comes off white and people call me an Oreo, mm. blah, blah, blah. I'm dealing with that. But now I'm reading these men and women who, in my opinion, are are black icons of the culture. Oh, yeah. Wow. And they didn't wow. care nothing about this. Yeah. And it just gave yeah. me more fuel to not care mm -hmm. what people were saying about me. Um, yeah. Man, there's like 50 topics. This, yeah, I know, right? I'm, that's why I'm stuttering, you know. Yeah. No, and I'm you trying know, to figure out what to say. There's and, and so much to say. It's also like, do we stop and catch everyone up? Let's just... Right. We can't stop because that's that's why we're on all these platforms too, man. Right, mm -hmm. absolutely. Because it's almost like it's been so overlooked, but it's so it's, powerful it, to tap into. You say that yeah. again. And, and for me, when I as a teacher, because that's my background as an educator as well, is um, how do we continually support that creativity, that curiosity? You know, if 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 in fact James Baldwin wasn't put in front of the kids. How do we still hold on to that wanting to learn about other people, other writers? Who's out there? What is a writer? What is poetry? What is, you know? So that's why I became a teacher, mm -hmm. um, was that. I, I, for two reasons. One, I felt blessed to be able to travel and live abroad and had great experiences now. Mm -hmm. I had great experiences. But number two was that right there. I knew for me, I didn't see black men and women um, teaching a foreign language talking about art talking about poetry talking about believing yourself yeah. uh, and, and things along those lines and i said to myself i'm not going to be a teacher forever but, but um i am going to come back and serve my community for yes. you know whatever that time period is and to give back before you know whatnot mm -hmm. and that's 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 why i teach that is that's the 50, what i get up for 52nd topic right you know there. what i'm saying yeah. that's what i get <laughs> yes, up yes, every yes. day and go to, and go and teach is i want to show them that uh -huh. um and i tell them those same things you yeah. know i tell them listen man there's, there's so much more out there you can do. You know, yeah. a lot of y'all are drawers now. Mm -hmm. Y'all could be our next, our next exactly. artist right here. Exactly. Next writers, you know. Yeah. Um, you know, that's kind of like my mission and purpose and goal there. Um, that is and, and just kind of using also the travel to kind of influence them. Let them know, listen, man, these images that are being shared with you are not the only, that's not the only reality mm, of, yes. of our culture. Yes. There's more out there. You are, you are that more. You are that difference. Mm -hmm. Let's make it, you know. Mm -hmm. I want to ask you about how you plan to go to France and, 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 and that, but I'm going to do one side, one, one tangent quickly. Um, do it. So I want people to know, too, um, the Mexican Studies curriculum that was banned had James Baldwin on it. Mm. So, that, <laughs> so we've always been connected. Well, I always wanted to jump connected. in there because um, but see, I, I, there's I black folks it. who would hear that and be like, and be shocked, actually. Yeah. It, yeah. Let's well, I was introduced to African American Studies because at U of H, um, the Mexican American Studies office was separated by just a walkway hmm. so every christmas for the four years five years i was there four years, four years <laughs> uh, and i gotta go there but for christmas time we opened up the doors of each other's offices put on some music we had food out on the on tables and we were just going back and forth and that's that was the the most beautiful thing i saw was okay now i now i'm getting to learn not about not just about mexican american studies but also african american studies and, and James Baldwin, my favorite quote from there was, uh, is, continues to be, um, children will not often follow what their elders say, but they will, they will imitate them. I think that was one of the hmm. James Baldwin quote that I have internalized as an educator, hmm. you know, and as an educator of children and being a parent educator as well, is we can say what we want them to do. We can say, 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 but it's what you do that they will do. And that's mm. one of the James Baldwin quotes that I still carry as an educator to this day. That's real. Mm -hmm. My first ethnic studies course was African American literature. Wow. Before, mm. uh, but so so Q though, tell us about then how you decided to go to France. Where did you wind up? And and what you, yeah. What you so did there. so for me, um, you know, like I said, it was it. You know, I, I I was reading literature. They were talking about France, and I was like, all right, let's do France. Um, and then I decided to also take the language seriously. Um, and, and so I took a whole year to get ready to go to France, learn French, read all that I could, and I wouldn't live there. And I lived with a French family. They, um, you know, a lot of people have their, you know, different opinions about host families, what they really are. But my host family, my French family, listen, man, they made me feel at home. Okay. Wow. Like they, you know, they, you know, they made me feel at home. Um, they always engaged me. 
in, in, in conversation, which is why, in my opinion, um, you know, in my personal opinion, I became bilingual after one semester. <laughs> so I, you know, had that one year to, you know, here in the United States, I was working on French, but, you know, doing and you're brilliant. That doesn't hurt. You know, watching <laughs> movies, music, rap lyrics, all of that French hip hop, just getting into it. And I went and lived there. And listen, when they say that the French people spend one to two hours eating lunch or dinner, that it's a real thing. Uh-huh. But the fun thing about it is like my family engaged me in conversation in doing that. And, you know, my French language skills just skyrocketed. That's a that. full life. Wow. I mean, right. And then, you know, like for me, listen, man, once I got there. So let's talk about the fun stuff. Once I got there, I was out from Tuesday to Saturday. Because, <laughs> I, I mean, I, I knew I knew for a fact that, like, if I want to be bilingual, yeah. it wasn't good enough to just go to school and just stay at home. I need to go out Total and use immersion. the language. And that's I mean, what I did. Yeah. Because of that, I ran across this great group of, of Colombian expats mm. who opened my eyes up to Pan-Africanism, Afro-Latino. Though it wasn't that at that point, but they were talking to me about yeah, there's black folks in Colombia and da-da-da-da. I'm like, what? <laughs> you know? And then I meet this Panamanian dude. He finds out in he's France. Black, and I'm like, <laughs> Panamanians have... Uh, and it's just like, wow. You know, it's like, it's one thing to kind of, you know, kind of read about it or whatnot. But when you meet people who invite you into their fold and talk about this and enlighten you to that, you know, it really, it really, uh, you know, turns the light on. Um, which is why I think traveling is really a great way to... It's a great cure for ignorance and racism. The seventy fifth um, topic we've touched on. Yeah, would be, so you know <laughs> that, that's kind of the the, that, the that's short dope, story of that's it. That's a dope ethnic studies course, though. Like, like now, you know, we're fighting for our own lanes, but the real one is what you just described, mm. where it's like Pan African, mm. you know, uh, Afro Latino, Afro Latino, yes, because that's diaspora, a whole rich field, absolutely. Um, I still think it's unexplored, which I think yeah. people love. For me, people for me love I, that stuff. so one of my classes I took, so I, I was at a French university, like. My classes were all in French, period, like period, you know, French history, all that French literature. One of my favorite classes was talking about, um, you know, the French, the black French, the Afro French diaspora and, and looking at the issues affecting them. And we're talking about the countries in the Caribbean and Africa and so forth. Wow. And talking about and, and reading about what their struggles were. And a lot of it had to deal with the language barrier mm. that they had to use French to communicate to their people instead of their own language mm-hmm. and how that has affected them. Um, the whole idea of North Africans versus everyone else and what they think. And it's just like traveling really wow. is a cure for racism yeah. and ignorance, yeah. man. There's, there's so many things, you know, I never realized. I mean, I also found out there was so much hip hop, man, like there was so much connection between American hip hop artists and French hip hop artists, Only right? Only art can save I, us, man. I mean, the connections, the the roots run deep. They run deep. That's potent. We yeah, we can't touch on all these topics we as well. There's so much more. <laughs> Give all your platforms you. out. To, yeah, yeah. So yeah. bootleg like jazz. I'm on YouTube. Bootleg like jazz. Uh, also, I'm on Patreon.com. Three dollars and fifty cents a month. That's coffee. You can support. Go to Patreon.com. It, but it's true though. Patreon.com slash blj. Um, and then I'm on. All the other podcasting uh, platforms like iHeartRadio, Spotify, and many, many, many more. And and, and we'll close out with one more uh, topic that I want to touch on. Let's talk about your project that got funded. You're you're now let's talk about Ooh, it. He's, yes. he's, yeah. he's a grand hashtag Afro Latin HTX. Thank Man. you, Tony Diaz and New Esther Palabra, for helping me uh, receive the, that funding. But hashtag uh, Afro Latin HTX is. Is is a series of the Bootleg Like Jazz podcast that's going to explore, uh, you know, Afro Latin, Latino, Lat- Latinx, Latina, all of those, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, cultural capital, um, individuals, institutions, all that here in Houston, Texas. Um, we did an interview yesterday with nice. uh, Sweets by Bellin. Um, I'm sure a lot of you know who she is. She's right there off of Hillcroft and 59, and and talking about her experiences as a Afro Peruvian and the things her grandmother, <laughs> mother went through. And then how that connects. And like soon as, but that's the beautiful thing. That's a beautiful thing. Soon as her and I connected, saw each other, it was love, right? Same thing when I'm traveling internationally. I swear to you, no matter where I go in this world, when I see black people, I can always head nod them and they'll always head nod me back, right? There's always, there's some sort of connection that always unites us. And that's even true there. But going back to that, yeah, you know, that's hashtag Afro Latin HCX. You know, it's a, it's a series where we're going to explore the, you know, the rich cultural um, heritage of 
you know, black Latinos and Latinas and the things that they're doing here in Houston, Texas, uh, and pushing them and pushing what's going forward. We got a lot of great things coming up with Raul, Orlando Edwards, or Strictly Street Salsa and Flam Art, and many, 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 many other people. So, yeah, definitely go subscribe so you do not miss out on them. Um, yeah. And take it into the classroom. At the very least, you'll be the Absolutely. coolest teacher on campus or the coolest person at the cocktail party. <laughs> Say that again. That's always important. That's what's important right now is being cool at the cocktail party. <laughs> and we're very happy to to promote it as well, and we're happy yes, that we're thank you, thank you. So gracias, hermano. Yes. Gracias, hermano. Hey, so we're going to take a short musical break. You're not exactly leaving, Q, because no. No, no. you're also deeply immersed. Because we did. Mm-hmm. So uh, Latinas Rising is an uh, episode also a part of uh, Afro Latin yes. Asia. It's hard to keep this gonna, stuff straight. We're going to jump I mean, into you, it. I but listen, it, her and I were talking earlier. Yes. It was a pleasure to get it. But let's do this musical break. All right. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna unpack that. I'm excited. Let's do this. Stay tuned. Nuestra Palabra, Latino Raiders <laughs> having to say on the air. It's lit up. Q is lighting up the airways at 100,000 watts. That's how we do it. It is the soundtrack to a revolution. Thanks for tuning in to Nuestra Palabra, Latino Raiders Heaven. A shout out to Marlene. Hey, hey, I'm here. And also, we got to give some love to Letty and Liana. Their mom passed away yesterday. My love. They're a big part of the family. Our show, Nuestra Palabra, the Libre Traficantes, are, you know, a we're a testament to the work that they've done. Absolutely. And that's to their mom. We love them very exactly. much. Absolutely. Estamos de luto, estamos in mourning, mm-hmm. but. Je, we, je vous aime beaucoup. But we also know that their mom was strong and oh, powerful. Yes. yes. And she was always happy to see her daughters giving yeah. back. So we all we all blossoming and benefiting from that. I had so. a chance to meet her many times. So we dedicated to this to, 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 to her. And. Um, you know, what What better way than to talk about some powerful Latinas that are coming through in a big way. Mm-hmm. We're talking to, about Latinas Rising and their first conference. 
Latina Con, which is a huge success. Definitely. And, and in the studio, we have their public relations manager, Claudia <laughs> Macias, who we've known forever. I'm going to pretend that I don't know you. Pretend for, like you don't know me. For siempre. <laughs> but I want the listeners to know that she's an education consultant, performing artist, singer, author, online radio show host, and fun-to-be-me party bus owner. Claudia, a native of Houston, holds a Bachelor's of Science in Interdisciplinary Studies from the University of Houston. Go Kooks! Woo. And a <laughs> Master's, I do, in Education aye, aye, aye. from the University of Houston at Clear Lake. Her life journey includes teaching, founding, and leading an elementary school. I, yes. Not just teaching it, <laughs> not just writing it. Starting it from scratch. I remember when you were building the yes. playground. Yes, you were there. I was you, there. You the ribbon. <laughs> Again, this is like 15 shows. In, <laughs> we he was like 20. I was like <laughs> <That's right>. 19. <laughs> uh, with KIPP, Knowledge is Power program, mentoring teachers. Again, not just teaching, but teaching the teachers. Mm -hmm. And leading workshops for educators and parents. As a teacher mentor with Rice University School Literacy and Culture Program, she supported teachers with the implement implementation of storytelling and dictation. With the University of T Texas Health Science Center of Houston Children's Learning Institute and the University of Texas at Austin's Institute for Public School Initiatives, Claudia facilitated and led literacy professional development sessions for educators and parents. She is also La Super Comadre, yes. Claudia, <laughs> a radio show host at Radio Cristal USA, an online radio station. Her bilingual platform consists of three themes, education, political engagement, and taking care of your heart and soul. And she's an awesome writer. Thanks for yes, coming on. Thank you. Thank you for having me. No, by all yeah. means. And, and again, I'm not playing. That's like 50 <laughs> like, more topics. What are you talking about? Yes, absolutely. panels. But that's the point is that that's we've, been series. So, we've been so overlooked for so long. Yeah. And there's so much at Deep Bench. So we need all these platforms as well. Right, right. right. We do. Um, and now, now is a whole other customer. Now, a so whole other side <laughs> here. That tell I'm folks <laughs> about, about Latina Khan and some of the founders. That wow. So Latina's Rising um, is the genesis of Sol Macias Thomas. And Shout out. She just recently moved, so she's in the process of moving, so she she sends all her love and regards and sends me. <laughs> but um, she was uh, working in HPD, Houston Police Department, in the Victims Crimes Unit, Domestic Abuse Unit, where she would intake and then take stories of mm. the women and, or, and men um, uh, and pretty much document what, what happened to them as they were going through and being processed through and being, you know, taken care of. And then she realized that a lot of the people that were coming through were Spanish-speaking people, and there were not very many Spanish-speaking officers who were there. She wow. was one of a handful. And then she, you know, after a while, she said, you know, it's time for me to do something else. And then she left HPD with this idea of, I've already seen what, have seen what is happening on this end. What can I do on the front end, mm. which is where Latinas Rising came from? So Latinas Rising was all about um, documenting women's stories. It was actually a book, and it's an anthology, and it's still out there. We mm -hmm. it's 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 in the still gonna be coming up at some at some point. Unfortunately, um, her home was hit by a lot of flood by flood water. Oh this my last hurricane. So in the middle of about to launch the book, um, she had to stop and put it on hold. When she got situated, she said, "You know what? This Latinas Rising is the book." It, it's about the stories, but now I want to put the people, I want to, I want to get the people part of it out there. So then she then changed gears um, to creating a space and a place for these stories to be shared on literally a platform, like on a platform. And so we call them uh, Platicas Poderosas, uh, Powerful Talks. We call them Latina Lead. Mm. Um, we also are invited to, to put on presentations. Um, we over the summer, we piloted uh, a vision board creation, make uh, make uh, make and take for little Latinitas and everyone else too. It w even though it's Latinas Rising, but we were invited by Baker Ripley to come in and mm. pilot that, and we actually were given the Empowerment Angels Award. Um, by, oh wow! Yeah, by Margie, cool. who is Congrats. one of our madrinas now, our official Latinas Rising madrina. Uh, she's going to be part. Of, that's going to be our advisory board. We're calling them madrinas. Excellent. Which are godmothers, um, and so we've had the chance to to do collaborations now, and we're being asked to come and bring speakers to these young women, uh, teens, tweens, and and even younger. We're we're also looking at how we can support the younger 
Latinita and 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 beyond, um, because our platform is not just for Latinas; it's for beyond. And um, and then you know, uh, I don't know how many months ago we said let's have a conference. We're like <laughs> yes. So aside from visionary having, thinking, I know. Aside from having the Platicas Poderosas, the Latina lead. Um, being called to different organizations to support their endeavors as well. We're like, let's just throw in a conference. Why not? So this is the first ever Latinx conference, awesome. Latina Con, here in Houston, Texas, in, that we were able to put together. And, and, the, and the whole point of Latinas Rising and Latina Con, um, Latinas Rising in general, is, again, to create a place and a space for women to feel vulnerable. If you're the attendee, to feel vulnerable enough to listen to a message and potentially say, hey, you know what? I'm going through that. And then the people that they're listening to, the women that we bring, are successful women, but they have a story to share. Mm. That along the way to that success, there were, you know, bumps. There were, there were you know, there was loss of jobs, of maybe a child, of maybe a spouse, uh, you know, there was domestic abuse. There was sexual abuse. There was a, just a, a, a myriad of things that a lot of times you don't want to share because either you're it's something you don't share because that's how you grew up in tu familia. You don't you don't talk right, about right, that. Right. You don't air the dirty laundry. You know, you know, or they say aguantate ni modo. You know, you don't talk about that. You got to be strong. You can't be weak. Mm. So what Latinas Rising is about it is about being able to say this is what I went through this is how I got out of it this is who I went to to get that support and and so taking that step to be brave enough to say I need help taking that ability being able to feel vulnerable and that's what Latinas Rising is so it was a book then then turned into people bringing it to life with people and now it's just bringing in successful women to share their story so that someone in the audience can say, hey, I'm going through that. I love it. How can I get that support? And actually, just to put a thread through the three different segments we've had, this part is where our community's got to do it ourselves because yeah. no one's going to do it for right, us. Right, right. Uh, on the flip side, though, we have that cultural capital because individuals benefited from the literature, the storytelling, and the empowerment. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I really wish this was in every school. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like what we're, what we're demanding is that every child from our community should be this empowered and emboldened. Mm -hmm. can, if I can step yeah. in, yeah. I yeah. talk I talk to my students about the event, right? Because they're always interested in my personal life. I'm single, I'm handsome, <laughs> all that stuff. Listen, they really are. Go, no, Mr. they really are, though. Go, like if I wanted to, I could charge them $5 for all that information, <laughs> I, and they would pay it. Pay but but I, 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 I talked to them about it. I was like, yeah, so I did this. I interviewed them, and they were from here and whatever. And they, you know, all of them were quiet. They had me gave these blank faces, and I was like, "Are they really interested or not?" So I said, "This, do y'all really care about this, or should I get back to teaching?" <laughs> like, no, no, stay with that. <laughs> so yeah, you know, yes. it, these these topics definitely are ready for mm -hmm. the world to be to to consume it. And one of the things that we talked about off air before we came on uh, was um, what I asked you a question. Mm -hmm. You were there. You documented. You were there to to you were there to document. But you were also there as a learner too, yes. as a as an attendee. And my question to you was, you what did you walk away with from Latina Con 2019? So, I, I walked away with all of my preconceived notions just being expunged away. Nice. I saw, I saw, I saw Latinas of every shade not getting in the way of anybody else. I saw a panel of Honduran, Garifuna, shout out Alexa Darling, shout out Genesis Evans, and everyone else, shout out Etna. Um, I, I saw those women having their moment, having their say, and the other Latinas supported them, loved them, yes. were there, engaged them, showed them love. And I said to myself, I, I feel blessed to be able to have covered this event and I feel blessed to be able to witness like like real change happening right here before my eyes. Yes. And then I saw so many stories of survivors of strength of of superhero women, you know, who don't wear capes but wear it in different ways also being there, you know. It was just you know, it was a yeah, it was a it was a great day full of like um just rich learning, rich um, you know, diversity, rich uh, exchanging of culture. 
and and, and so much more you know yeah. that's definitely what that's, i walked away with awesome. which Thank also you. speaks to that that platform is needed as well yes yes you know the the panelists that we had we talked about everything from afro latina to um colorism colorism to, you know how under the latina latina x umbrella you have people that are blonde hair blue eyed and you know to people that that look just you would know that they were not Dominicanas because you know they they look they look African American but they're Afro Latina mm -hmm. so having that and then they them everybody on 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 the panel just expressing and sharing their story that was what we wanted to people to be able to listen to mm -hmm. and connect and like just like what 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 Hugh said and um, a little bit about who the founders are Sol Macias Thomas she is the the brainchild behind it she's a founder of Sol Creative Media founder Latinas Rising. Um, Sol was inspired to create these organizations for women to create a positive social change through literature, art, and digital media. Latinas Rising, we seek to advocate and educate the underserved communities on issues such as sexual assault, domestic violence, education, sex trafficking, mental health, and immigration. Um, Sol is an avid writer. She's a poet, and she's a traveler, and uh, she believes that you can change the world by being brave, confident, and compassionate. Um, Edna Mojica, shout out to my, my hermana, Latinas Rising hermana, Edna Mojica. She's co-founder. She hosts from La República Dominicana, proud New Yorker. She's an activist, educator, and author and founder of La Congresa Production. <laughs> she's devoted over 15 years to social work revolving around domestic, you know, domestic violence, sexual assault, and she uses her voice and writing as her art. She's proud of her Afro-Caribeña roots and focuses her work on fighting against violence against women and girls around the world. Um, and her, she believes that the language of the arts is a universal language powerful enough to impact change in an individual's life that will then provoke healing in nuestras comunidades. So Tasha James, another Latina up, Tasha? hermana. Shout out. Big yes. love to you, too. She is, I love this woman to death. She is from the RGV, the Rio Grande Valley. Shout nice. out to the, she is na RGV native, Latina's co-founder as well. Um, she's proud Afro-Latina and licensed professional counselor with a passion for promoting mental health awareness and recovery for individuals and families directly impacted by untreated mental health disorders. She's had, she has over 14 years of experience working with the state, local, private, and county entities. Um, She's worked with forensic. She's a forensic interviewer. She's she's worked with family and child youth services specialist. She's been a mental health clinician, emergency department, mobile assessor, and psychotherapist wow. here in Houston, Texas. And her motto is breaking the stigma of mental health wellness through representation. Wow. That word, How representation. Yes. So I want to just real, real quick plug Edna, Edna again and Tasha. This is how I you know, kind of got involved with Latinas yes. Rising because I met Edna and Tasha at the Afro Latin Fest uh -huh. and we started talking and staying so in contact. Independently this, of, this of is, all this. Yes. yes. So so yes. that is also is some of the workings behind. Um, yeah, those are all those women, superheroes. Super, super comadres. But that's a lot of yeah. cultural capital. It Las is. tres tan inteligente, really, uh, yeah. uh, you know, into the community, but dedicated time and energy to this yourself oh as well there's a lot of brain power we, right there we all each have our yeah. story and and i just want to say that i i mean i i can't share my whole entire story yet because i'm just not ready to but within the group themselves i was able to find a group of women that i was like i'm gonna be okay this is what mm -hmm. i'm going through you went through that it's gonna be all good then i definitely that, felt that th yeah. from that day as well yes yeah so, so in Latina, just in general, the, our mission is that Latinas Rising is an organization focused on creating social change in the Latinx community. We seek to advocate and, and educate on a variety of social justice topics, such as Latinx mental health, again, violence against women, education, civic engagement. And that the main thing is that we believe that all stories are important and that we choose to celebrate Latinas, such as, you know, women that are out there, boots on the ground every day whether you're, you know, in the classroom, whether you're a clinician, um, because the mental health piece is what I believe is what what we see highlighted the most is know when you need it. Know when it's time to just call the comadre, like you just need to call your girlfriend mm -hmm. yeah. versus I need to call and get professional help and then feel like it's okay not to be okay and then take that step to say I need to make sure that I can share what I'm going through with somebody. And that's whether you're a doctor, a lawyer, a teacher, 
you're the psychotherapist yourself, a counselor, you're, or maybe your mom, just, I decided to stay home and be mom, whatever path you choose to do, that you have that ability and you ha- and we have created that space so that we don't have to live like maybe our moms and our grandmas did, mm. where se tenían que tragar los corajes, that means that they have to stay with the with the, the anger inside or that, mm. that people would tell them, if they would complain, people would say, no, pues ni modo. They would, if they complain about something, well, too bad. That's just your luck of your draw, mm. you know, or or they would say something like, oh, I think I need some support. No, pues estás loca. You know, if you go to a, a, a counselor, that means you're crazy. You know, so we're wanting to dispel all that. We want to just say, look, First of all, let's honor our ancestors and say they only did what they did because of what they knew and what was taught to them. Now we have that chance to change that. Me, you know, whether you're a tia, a mom, a madrina, an uncle, and a, a padrino, a godfather, you have that ability to then, you know, you yourself know if you need that help, and then if you can see someone else in your family that that may need it, and you can be that that support system and say, hey, you know, you're gonna be fine. Mm-hmm. You need some support. I'm going to be there right with you. And if you do hear that noise telling you that there's something wrong with you, don't worry about that. That definitely was the event. And, and, and empower generations to come. If I can chime in real quick. Yes. Um, what I, from, I didn't, unfortunately, I was not able to attend the event. However, from everything that I've heard just in this last 20, 30 minutes, it feels like this is not only a support group, but it's like, an extended family mm-hmm. where you can open up and not be ashamed yes. or judged because of what you're going through. So if I have an issue with, I don't know, uh, something that ha- happened to me 10 years ago and I'm ready to let it out, I can go to this and say, hey, this, this, and this happened to me and I need help getting over it. Mm-hmm. And nobody's going to say, well, you know what? You waited too long. Yeah. Or there's nothing you can do mm-hmm. about it or just suck it up. Yeah. Literally. Yeah. So. I want that thing. Yeah, exactly. I'm glad that there, I mean, granted, it took a long time, but I'm glad there's finally something that can help not only us, older people, but also, like you said, the smallest generation. And in some schools, I don't know if you're aware, they have what they call parent university. Yes. And they teach them about health and all this stuff. Maybe this is something that could be brought into the schools because you don't know what those parents are going Mm -hmm. through at home, whether Mm -hmm. it's a a father or a mother or, you know, even a child. Yeah. Maybe this can be brought into the schools. Actually, and- we're in talks already. Nice. <laughs> I tell you, we're being, we're being in a good way pulled in, in many directions, which is a good thing. And we are, we're working on creating a membership drive because we need Latina rising ambassadors. Okay. So we're going to have a network recruitment uh, coming up. So you please go and Google Latinas rising, like us, Go to Facebook, go to our Instagram, get, you know, get signed up because we're going to have a membership drive. We're going to be looking for Latinas Rising Ambassadors. We're also going to be at the Houston Hispanic Forum in February, and we're going to have a panel there. Um, but Big things. Yeah, we're just, awesome. we, there's a lot of things in the works, but our goal is to increase um, our people to come in and join so that then you can turn around and be a little butterfly out there uh, as well sharing. You're going to get the knowledge. You're going to get the connections. And how can we make this we bigger? When's the we... next? Sorry, go ahead. I thought you were going to Oh, um, the we... next. Well, yeah. we, we have uh, the uh, dinner with doctoras is coming up. So we're going to also talk talk with women who are in the medical profession. Um, we're also putting one together for educators, women in education. Um, and then the Hispanic, Houston Hispanic Forum in February. The membership recruitment is still in the works. We're thinking of doing it in January. You know, you know, January, new year, new goals, new everything. So we're looking at doing something at a local restaurant. And we're going to put it out there in the airwaves. We'll let let you know. know. Yeah, so we can share Thank you for coming in. Yeah. yeah. Hey, great show, guys. (laughs) (laughs) Woo! We we had to stop everything (laughs) because it just was just, you know, (laughs) saturating (laughs) through and through. And we touched on 100 topics. Yes, I just want to do a a quick shout-out because there's a lot of women that put this together. Very quickly. The the (laughs) co-founders, of course, Sol, Edna, Tasha, but Marianne Brown, you know, Linda, Valentina, Lopez, um, Rocio, who lives in New, in, in uh, not in New York, I'm sorry. Rocio lives in San Antonio, was helping us coordinate. Drove in with her four kids. Um, She's Gisette, checking us out on the Facebook Live, awesome. too. Awesome. Yeah. Saludos. And Anna. Jessette, Adriana, Marilena Cortez, Mireya. So. Thank you so much. Thank you for tuning in. This is Nuestra Palabra. Latino is having to say on the air. Talk to you soon. Adios. Later. Woo. 